Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. And now, from beyond our dimension, this is the Jeff Mara Podcast. Here's Jeff. My guest is Sue Con taylor Sue had a near-death experience due to a car accident, and today we're going to learn about it and more. Sue, thank you so much for joining us today, and welcome. Thanks, Jeff. It's great to be here. All right. My audience loves to hear about near-death experiences. So if you don't mind, can we start on the day yours happened? Absolutely. Now, my experience goes back quite a few years, even though I'm not a dinosaur, but it was back when I was 19 years of age. I was uh, a university student and I was studying business And I was actually uh, at a university that was away from home. So it was about a five-hour drive away from my home. And, of course, at that age, I was very driven. I was very focused. I knew where I was going, what I was doing, my career, everything. uh, Really inspired about life. And I was probably having the time of my life, uh, being independent, away from home, studying something that I loved, and um, and with great friends. As we normally did during the year, uh, a group of us would always drive back home to go and see our families and uh, check in and have a bit of a holiday. And this particular weekend, it was in uh, July, which is uh, in, in New Zealand where I'm from, it's winter. And um, we did a trip back home for a weekend. And had a great weekend. And on the Sunday, my mother went and took me over to my uh, friend's place to get back in the car and drive back to university. And I decided to sit in the back seat. And uh, my boyfriend at the time was actually driving. And uh, my mother gave me an extra long hug that day. And she said to me, why don't you sit on the other side of the car? And I thought, oh, that's interesting. Why, why are you saying that? She said, oh, I don't know, just, just sit on the other side of the car. So I said, no, no, I'm fine where I am. And I stayed where I was. And she came back and gave me another hug. And I thought, oh, this is strange. She's feeling really connected to me today. Uh, anyway, off we went, driving the five-hour trip back to university. And this was at the end of a day. I think we left at about five o'clock in the afternoon. So about three hours into our car journey, uh, we were in quite a remote area on the western side of uh, a lake and it was pouring with rain and we came down, we're coming down quite a steep hill and I was asleep at the time, um, and which was a good thing. But I suddenly woke up with a lot of swearing going on in the car, and it jolted me awake. And I literally 
last thing I remember was sitting up to look to see what they were swearing at. And then there was impact. We had a head-on car accident. I don't remember very much after that. Um, I was taken out of the car by people who had stopped miraculously. There were people around us. Um, and I was put into the back seat uh, of someone's car. I was totally unconscious and I was bleeding heavily from my head. And uh, that's all I know what I was told. I have no idea how long that took or whatever, what went on in between. And the only thing that I remember about that time was being conscious somewhere but not really in my body of feeling raindrops on my face at one point. So I get these little fleeting moments where that was something that I go, what was that? I don't remember anything about it, but I just remember feeling rain on my cheek. The only uh, part that I remember having my out-of-body experience, so my near-death experience was an out-of-body experience that was very, very vivid. So this was about two hours later when an ambulance finally turned up and I was loaded into the back of the ambulance with one of the other um, guys that were in the vehicle. And we took off in the ambulance, so I understand. <laughs> and I don't know at what point, but I was suddenly very aware that I wasn't in my body and I was floating at the back of the ambulance and I was observing everything, the conversation, the rain, and I still to this day remember every little bit of the conversation that was happening inside that ambulance. And the key conversation was they had made a big mistake because the other guy that was in the ambulance <clears throat> had hurt his back and I had a head injury that was bleeding badly. And they were saying we should never have put these two in the same ambulance because the guy, John, who was in the other side of the ambulance, every time they went over any kind of bump, he was screaming in pain because of what had happened to his back. But they needed to go fast because they recognised that I wasn't in a good way and I was bleeding a lot. So um, I remember the conversation of the nurse in the back and I was observing all of this, watching the rain, watching where we were driving. The driver then decided to drive in the middle of the road to try and get away from the bumps and to speed up the ambulance. And they were quite stressed in themselves. And it was quite an extraordinary experience because it was almost as if I was in, in, a, in a movie watching this all pan out, but I was right front center looking at my body going oh okay there I am and there's the nurse I had no real connection with that being me except for the fact that I recognized it was me but there was no cognitive sort of like why am I outside of my body it was just as it was as if it was completely normal um there was a moment where the conversation changed and the nurse said to my friend, 
I need you to tell me her name because we need to get hold of her parents and tell her, uh, tell them what's actually happened. And so he said her name's Sue, and my surname at that time was Lee. And she said to him, how do you spell that? And he said L-E-E. And my surname was actually spelt L-E-A. And I remember being up at the back of the ambulance and I suddenly panicked and I thought, that's not right. They'll never find my parents to tell me, to tell them what's actually happened. And at that moment, it was almost <laughs> going up, going, like going up a vacuum <laughs> cleaner pipe. I went back into my body and I opened up my eyes and I said, my surname is L-E-A. And then I left again and I went back up into the back of the ambulance. And I still remember the look on the nurse's face was one of pure shock um, and amazement that this unconscious person who was bleeding badly that they were really concerned about had had suddenly connected and said something. And then I was gone again. I remember everything of that journey, the conversation, the drive, the rain, the sounds, as if it was yesterday. Um, and it was only when I got to the hospital uh, that, again, I think I, I don't know what happened, but I wasn't conscious and I wasn't aware. There was a gap there. Uh, and then, again, when I was in the emergency room and they were trying to have a discussion about what they should do, um, I went back up and I was observing my body in the emergency room, watching and listening to the conversation. There was a point where I actually thought, this isn't healthy, I shouldn't be here, uh, and I need to be back in there to actually help myself heal. And there was that moment where it was almost as if it was quite a cognitive decision of, no, I need to be back in my body now. And so I went back into my body and I woke up again in the emergency room. Mm. And that essentially was my story. Um, and from that moment when I decided it wasn't healthy for me to be out here, I needed to get back inside my body, uh, I was conscious for as much as I, I remember, you know, little bits because I had a head injury. So I actually lost my short and medium term memory. But I just remember that, that, that connection of going back into my body and feeling them doing something to my head. And then I don't remember anything else after that. Thank you for sharing that with us, Sue. Do you know if you were sitting on the right side of the car or not? Because your mother told you to move you know, move to the other side and would you, <laughs> would you have got hurt less or what, did you make the right decision and it would have been worse if you'd have been on the other side? No, it would have been better. What? So interestingly, I, um, the driver had a sprained ankle. Hmm. The guy who was in front of me, who was in the ambulance with me, he uh, had fractured his spine and broken his leg. Uh, and the other guy that was in the back seat on the other side uh, pulled some ligaments, but apart from that, he was fine. I was the worst off out of everybody in that car. Oh, wow. So somehow your mother knew that something was going to happen, even though maybe she didn't even know it herself or could explain it. 
no. And I had that conversation with her at some point and said, do you remember? And she said, I just remember feeling anxious and uh, a feeling of not comfortable with you getting in that car and going. But she said, I couldn't explain it. Did you get any special abilities afterwards? Because sometimes people become you know, great at math or art or they become clairaudient <laughs> or empathic, anything like that? No, but interestingly, um, what I would say, I had a much stronger what I call spiritual connection. And what I mean by that is before my car accident, when I was a young child of 10 or 11, uh, I used to uh, see what I call spirit um, and there'd be strange things that would happen sometimes when I walked into a room. So we had uh, a house with um, sort of like our, our lounge or family room where we all used to gather. And some days when I would walk into that room, and especially in the evening, um, there was this uh, ornament on the mantelpiece above the fireplace, and it would shake it would have this little vibration. And we never knew what that was about. Now, I grew up with parents who were um, quite strict and not not definitely not in that realm of understanding um, at all. So I was kind of taught that, that that was not a good thing and there was something not good about me seeing some of these things that I used to talk about. My father was probably more open than my mother, but my mother used to sort of say that's evil and you're dealing with the evil. Now, I was 10 or 11. I didn't know what she was talking about. <laughs> what do you mean the evil? It's just what I see. Interestingly, when I was at um, very young, four or five at school, I used to draw all my pictures and people with rainbows around their bodies. And the teacher used to say to me, why are you drawing rainbows around the body, around, around your people? And I was, well, that's what I see. I see rainbows around people. Uh, and I soon started to understand that maybe I was a little bit different what I used to see. And so I started shutting it down because mm. I started thinking maybe I am evil, maybe I'm really strange. <laughs> um, and so I really suppressed that. Um, and it wasn't until I had that car accident, post the car accident, that I thought so much about that out-of-body experience that it reminded me of so many of those experiences that I had had when I was younger. And so it made me really inquisitive again about life and there must be so much more than what we ever know and how, how could I leave my body and observe a whole situation but not be in my body? So I guess I had certain aspects about about myself before that accident that I'd shut down, that post-accident opened up again and made me inquisitive about what that was really about. In what way did the experience change you? It made me very much more uh, sort of philosophical, but also very interested in the bigger picture of life. You know, I was um, a person that was very focused on career, 
getting my degree, building a career and um, ruling the world. Mm. (laughs) Um, And it made me much... Uh, broader in my thinking that there was so much more to life than just building a career and building money and um, and and actually being able to explore these other aspects of life which not many people actually talk about. Mm. They kind of refer to it as that woo-woo stuff uh, and I was very conscious of that. So mm. it did change me in terms of, I was happier to talk more about the woo-woo stuff than I ever had been in my life. Are you a religious person? When I say I'm not religious, I don't have a religious belief, but I do believe that there is more to life than our physical body just here doing our thing, getting married, having children, doing all of those sorts of things. So I have a strong spiritual belief, yes. Do you fear death at all? Absolutely not. So comfortable. Um, uh, and I've said that to people, n- not at all. If I, um, and, and I think this has even been more heightened in terms of the comfort I've been able to try and share with people, especially around this pandemic time, um, about um, being comfortable with with the possibility of death. And I always say to people, from the moment you're born, you're dying anyway. (laughs) It's inevitable. It's going to happen. So I guess for people, I I try to understand what are you not comfortable with? What what are you frightened of? And I think for most people, they're frightened of leaving the physical of other people and leaving a world. Whereas for me, I almost see it as it will be another exciting journey because there's so much more that we don't understand. Uh, so no, not frightened of dying at all. So you said that you can still remember it like it was yesterday or like you can just still remember it clearly. I mean, it hasn't mm-hmm. faded at all, has it? No, it hasn't. And here's another extraordinary thing about that, that I still haven't quite figured out is that post car accident, I actually had lost my short and my medium term memory. So my head injury uh, had created some level of damage to my brain. Mm. And yet I can still remember that aspect of the car accident as clear as a bell. Even what the people looked like, the ambulance driver, what the nurse looked like. Quite quite incredible. (laughs) Um, But, uh, yeah, my short and medium-term memory were damaged and I spent 18 months rehabilitating myself. Yeah, I've heard that long-term memory, maybe part of it is not inside your body as well. And so maybe that that long-term memory exists in another realm, like some people may call their higher self. Yeah, I do wonder about that. There's that level of consciousness that um, that sits there and it's it's some of those memories that that will go with us wherever we go next. So what is your opinion on what happens to us after we die? Do we go to heaven? Do we reincarnate? Do we go to some other realm? What do you think? I have changed my thinking over that, but currently I think that we do become reincarnated. We we come back uh, to live another life and learn lessons that we didn't learn uh, in, in our current life. I'm, I believe that because to me, to have a sense of purpose about why we're all here is 
about learning lessons to develop ourselves, to develop our soul, to to probably in the bigger picture um, find our real purpose and develop and give back to other people. So from our lessons, we can actually um, teach other people and help them grow on their journey. So I'm very much of the mind that when I die, I'm going to come back. Um, It will be um, maybe in the same form, maybe not in the same form. I don't have a view on that, but I definitely think we come back into another realm and live another life to gain experience. And I've also started to wonder whether there's also a lot of those parallel lives happening side by side, Um, but unless you're really in tune to it, you don't really notice it happening. Have you figured out what your purpose is this lifetime? I believe I have currently. um, And I think this has formed the basis of the business that I now have. And I'm very much about teaching people about mental fitness, which is what I primarily learned in my period of rehabilitation, because little story when when I was finally back home from the hospital um, and discovered that I had problems with my short and my medium term memory um, there was very little support back then and the best that I got was going to the doctor once a week and he would have a packet of playing cards and he would hold up a card to me and say watch it, observe it, take it in, and he'd put it down and I would have to tell him what that card was. And for a while there, I couldn't even remember what one card was that he was putting up. But eventually we got to two and we got to three and then it was, well, you'll just keep getting better. But for me, I realised that um, that was going to be a really slow process and I needed to do more. And uh, it was a real... uh, page turner for me to actually say, you know what, if I want to make this a different story, if I want to speed the story up, if I want to get back into life, then I need to rehabilitate myself. So um, during that time, I my, my rehabilitation, I learned two really key things. And one is about how important self-care is. And the other one was about how important it is to actually keep developing ourselves to focus on our mindset, our attitude, um, our energy, what we put out, what we what we focus on, where our energy goes. And as a result of that, I learned what I call now mental fitness. So in terms of my purpose now is I have learned the benefit of mental fitness and I have had so many challenges since that car accident um, of you know, awful things happening in my life. But with my mental fitness, which I learned post-car accident, I have been able to actually ride through those challenges in a much easier, in a much more confident way than I can would have ever been able to. And so what I've taken from that is my drive to actually teach other people how they can have that too. And I think in today's world where it's so busy, hyper-connected, changed all the time. You know, we all need to actually have some tools and strategies and actually learn how to do that. So for me, it's very much about helping others build their mental fitness, and I just love it. There's not one day that I think about it as being work. It's 
a, a pleasurable um, occupation that I do, I suppose. I think that's great. Do you follow neuroplasticity? And so you try to like regrow the brain by doing different activities and learning new things? Absolutely. Um, and, and, you know, neuroplasticity, I think, was a big part of my rehabilitation of retraining my mind how to connect to things, how to remember things um, and recreate some of those pathways. So um, I definitely see how that helps people, especially if they're stuck on on habits that don't work for them, um, triggers, emotional triggers that don't work for people, um, changing the way that the brain follows a path. And, you know, neuroplasticity to me uh, is very much about, if you think about a river coming down a mountain, it will always follow the path of least resistance. And so our, our brain actually follows that same path path of least resistance when it comes to, you know, memories and ways of responding and seeing things and emotional triggers and stories. So like a river, if we want to change the path of a river, we have to put a dam up, build a dam so that the river then bypasses and goes a new route and creates a new deep path. Mm-hmm. This is what we need to do with the brain and change change the neural pathways to have new stories, new ways of reacting and new ways of doing things. What are the most common conditions that people seek out for you to help them with? Well, I I mainly deal with business people. Um, a lot of my clients um, are, um, well, actually there's a good mix of men and women, but there's a difference between men and women and what they are seeking my help for. Often um, for both, they are about overwhelm and just the the busyness of life and how to actually juggle everything. And as a result of that, people have just got that overwhelm and feeling of exhaustion and almost on the verge of burnout because they're trying to do so much and juggle families and careers and finances and be involved in life that they actually over a period of time start disconnecting. And so there's a lot of people that I work with who are quite disconnected emotionally with life. They're, as I say, they're doing life, but not actually engaging in life in a meaningful way. And if there was one key thing that most people will come to me about is they are suffering from that, but they don't necessarily understand it in that way to them they just sort of feel disconnected from life. Do you feel men or women suffer more from this burnout? Uh, I think both suffer the same, but in different ways. Hmm. And the complication of that is, in my experience, is men will come to me because they don't really understand how to deal with it and they're not very good at talking about it. Whereas, and, and coming to me, they feel like it's it's a safe haven where they can just go, this is me, this is what I'm feeling. <laughs> I'm so, you know, confused about life and what I'm doing and where I'm going and what I'm achieving and what's it all about. Whereas uh, women will be much happier to talk about it. They'll talk about it with their friends. They'll, they'll try and find solutions. 
Um, but they're also very much driven in the same way of just having that busy, busy, busyness. But I think women will probably seek out help, seek out help a lot faster than men will. Men will suffer for a long time until it comes to more of a crisis point before they actually look for hmm. some assistance. <laughs> Do you think that we have way too much stress in our lives? Yes. And and it's only going to increase. And I've seen that over the years that I've been involved working with people. I think there is so much stress because of our hyper-connection. Uh, it's the expectations around workplaces now and deliverables. You know, the fact that we're connected on our phones seven days a week, it feels as if you can't get away from workplaces because you're always accessible. Um, and I think it's that level of living where people are feeling they have to be everything and have everything and do everything. And so it's that constant striving, striving, and the next, the next, the next. And I think there's that level of stress because we're disconnected from ourselves. So we're doing stuff that isn't really connected. We're um, pushing ourselves beyond what our physical and mental self can actually cope with because we're not giving ourselves that self-care that we need to to operate at that level on a constant, constant basis. There's even a term that I think healthcare workers use, and they mm. say they have compassion fatigue. Yes. Even taking care of people. Yeah, absolutely. It is. It is. You know, I can even find, um, you know, I've worked with nurses and I've worked with doctors and uh, counselors, psychologists, and it is uh, compassion fatigue because a lot of those people who work in those jobs are empathetic. So, they feel the emotions, they pick up on the energy of the other person, even though it's not visible, they're feeding off that energy. And doing that day in, day out is exhausting. Mm. And that's why, you know, energy is such an important part of who we are um, and how we use it. Besides the actual trauma to your brain, do you think there's mm. anything about your NDE experience that, helps you with what you're doing now? Absolutely. I. It is my constant reminder to keep grounded, to not get caught up in the silly things of life. <laughs> um, it reminds me that when I might get caught up in the stress of something that is fairly insignificant, I think back to that time of how significant it was and what happened, and it puts everything into a much smaller perspective because I think about how incredible that experience was and what do we know about life, and here I am, you know, getting caught up and stressed about some minor, minor element. It also helps me or reminds me to actually keep very connected with my spiritual side because what I think I find for myself and probably a lot of people when they get involved in business is it becomes very cerebral. We're thinking, thinking, thinking all the time with our brain and we forget to tune in with our inner self, the, the intuition, um, 
the 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 messaging of our emotions and a lot of that um, sort of soft stuff that we don't physically see about ourselves. And so for me, that reminds me to do that uh, on a daily basis. After listening to this podcast, people may want to reach out to you and ask you questions. Mm-hmm. Are you okay with that? And if so, how would they reach out to you? Absolutely. Uh, so easiest way is just to go to uh, my website and my emails on there. Just connect with uh, my contact details and that's thementalfitnesscompany.com. That was thementalfitnesscompany.com? Correct. Well, you've got the company. Do you have anything else that you're working on that you want us to know about? Well, interestingly, I have, through this pandemic, I do a lot of work one-on-one with people and in groups and workshops and speak at conferences, et cetera. But over this pandemic, because we've been working uh, remotely so much, uh, I've started to develop so much more content online. And that was for two reasons. One was the pandemic, but also because um, I feel like so many more people need help Um, and some sort of assistance to help them deal with the stress and the overwhelm of uh, of life as it is. So I've started developing some online courses, um, and I have a 30-day boot camp, um, which uh, happens on on a monthly basis, and that's all about developing mental fitness, understanding who you are, Uh, what's working, what's not working in your life, uh, where the friction points are, and there's a big chunk in there about how to manage the stress in your life and understand what your tipping point is. And you can find all this stuff on your website as well? Absolutely. It's all on my website. Um, And uh, I have a fortnightly e-pep talk. It's a pep talk via Mm -hmm. uh, email with lots of tips about managing life and stories and things to elevate people's energy and just help everybody be thinking more about working internally rather than bouncing around in the spam, as I call it, of life. Do you have a YouTube channel? Uh, Just about to start one, actually. Okay, great. Once you get it up, send me the link and then I'll come back and and add it to this video. That would be awesome. Thanks, Jeff. Mm. All right. Well, before we finish up here, do you have one last positive message that you can share with everyone? Absolutely. I think a positive message for everyone is to, it's the importance of tuning in to your inner self because there's so much more to us than I think just what we believe we are, which is our mind. There's so much more internally within ourselves. So my positive message is learn how to tune into yourself every single day. You know, what 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 can you learn about yourself? How can you develop yourself to make life so much easier? And it's also about practicing trusting life because I think life is complex. It's more complex than what we understand. But um the more we trust life and we learn from our challenges, it certainly uh, creates less friction in our life every day. And it doesn't matter who you are, what background you come from, or where you are in the world, every single person can tune into themselves more and learn how to practice to trust life 
and uh, and learn the skills and the tools and the strategies on managing life's challenges. It's accessible to everybody, and that's the exciting part. Well, thank you for that message. And Sue, thank you again for being my guest. I really appreciate you, and I wish you massive success in whatever you're involved with. Thank you so much, Jeff, and thanks for having me on your show. It's been lovely. All right. Thanks again, and have a wonderful day. Thanks, Jeff. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.